don't mean to keep you standing for too long. Uh, it's, you know, we, I grew up in the churches, you know, in a church where you stood up, you knelt down, you stood up, you stood up, sit down, knelt. But here you can stand up anytime you want to. Especially when I'm preaching, feel free to stand. <laughs> Praise God. Welcome. If you've never been to a Pentecostal church, we're, we're not all that crazy. We're, we're a little bit crazy, but not totally. Uh, we, we like to have fun, but everything in this church is biblical. That means we follow the Bible. Amen. As much as we can. Praise God. And so, uh, if you want to know more about that, you want to know more about worship, and uh, please come and see us. See me. We'll go and do a Bible study. And we have New Life Discipleship, uh, New Life Journey, which will be changing somewhat this year. We'll have next steps, and we're really excited about introducing that. 2 Kings 2 and 8, now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. That's Elijah and his apprentice, Elisha. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken from you, taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. This is not easy. This is a hard thing because it's not really for Elijah to give. Nevertheless, if you see me in, in a prophetic instruction, when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, or if you don't see me, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. There, there's a double portion right there. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Final verse, verse 14. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Amen. I want to talk to you today on a double portion double portion. Praise God. If you would join with me in prayer, uh, we had a wonderful home-going service for uh, Brother Monty Timiho on Thursday, and the family will be um, taking him back to his homeland, uh, to New Zealand today. So let's pray for that family, and uh, let us pray for ourselves this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we pray for Brother Monty's family today, Lord God, as they take him back to bury him in his homeland of New Zealand. We pray that you would be with each and every one of them, that you would meet every need, that you'd give them strength, you'd give them your provision and your protection. And God bless them even throughout their time of grief and mourning today. Lord God, we ask you to touch us once again. Speak to us through your word. Anoint your servant as the oracles of God. Let me preach the, written, the living word, preaching the written word, Lord God, as you use me. Open every heart here today. Let no one miss out on your blessing. Let no one miss out on what you're trying to say. But give us spiritual ears to understand. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord. We give you glory. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. As Elijah was on the, on the brink of the cusp of, of now experiencing a separation from his own mentee or apprentice, Elisha, uh, he asked him this question. He said, what do you want from me? What, what can I do for you? Uh, it's almost like giving him a grant of a final a reward or inheritance as, as a person is about to depart. And it is interesting to know that Elisha asked this question. He said, give to me a double portion. Not a double portion of power. Not a double portion of uh, influence or uh, wealth, but he simply said a double portion of your spirit. Amen. I'm not sure whether Elijah was taken by surprise, but he simply said, you have asked a hard thing. This is not an easy or a light request. Nevertheless, with his prophetic insight, he told Elisha, uh, when you see me, then it's gonna, you're going to have it. But if you don't see me, you're not going to receive your request. Amen. Uh, I, I've often thought about what that really meant, what a double portion meant. And oftentimes, we, we refer to the fact that Elisha, Elijah, the prophet, performed eight miracles, and Elisha performed uh, 15 miracles in his lifetime, almost double. And, and well, if you examine it a little further, when Elijah or Elisha was dead, uh, there was a dead body that was thrown into his grave and it's touched his bones. And upon uh, falling upon the bones of Elisha, that dead man came back to life, thereby making it 16 miracles, twice the miracles of Elijah. I, I am intrigued by the story of Elijah and Elisha, and, and we could probably preach a whole series on this, but I, I want to take your attention to the fact that uh, he asked for a double portion, not because he was being greedy, not because he necessarily wanted twice the miracles of his master, but in fact, I believe Elisha was appealing to a Mosaic law in the Old Testament that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17, that says that the firstborn son will receive a double portion of inheritance. Amen. It wasn't that he was being greedy. What he was, in essence, asking for was he wanted to be the son of Elijah. He was, and that's why when he saw Elijah get taken away, he said, my father, my father. Elijah had become the, the father of Elisha. 
Amen. That's what he was claiming for. That's what he was after. He wanted his spirit. Amen. And I, I just need to make an inference in this message right now to tell you that, that he didn't ask for stuff. He didn't ask for power, but he asked for the spirit or the in the Hebrew, it's ruach, which is breath, which is your inner man. He said, I want to be a man just like you. What I want, I don't want more authority. I don't want more revelation of power. I want to have your spirit. Amen. I, I think this is a wonderful lesson for us to learn that if wherever you are in your walk with God or whoever you are today, in all of your getting, in all of your pursuit, don't look for stuff. Don't look for positions. Don't look for titles. Don't look for power. Don't look for things that you can get. But if in the foremost of your being, you can seek after the right spirit, amen, to have the inner man, uh, amen, being in the right place with God, uh, if that is your priority in life, I'm telling you everything else will fall into place. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Anybody else believe that here today? Praise God. And I, I, I said it last week, and can I say it to you again, that if you want to make 2020 the best year of your life, it's got to be the best year of your life spiritually. Amen. Hallelujah. We're, we're so busy running left and right and trying to get this and trying to get that and trying to get more money and more stuff thinking that the, somehow that's going to give us fulfillment and joy. Can I tell you, you are, you are chasing a mirage. It's not going to give you joy. It's not going to give you peace. Working more overtime. Thank God for money and the job that we have. But can I tell you, what we need is to prioritize our spiritual condition called your inner man and you're in the right place here this morning you're in the right house amen in order for you to put first the spiritual things if you seek first that's what Jesus said if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness the Bible says all of these things will be added unto you I've come to tell you it's time that we become spiritual people it's time that you put some emphasis and some pride priorities on your spiritual walk. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. You remember, I was just like some of you. I spent my teenage years running here and there from nightclub to nightclub, from alcohol to drug, thinking that somehow this is going to bring me life and give me joy. Can I tell you all it brought me was misery, a hangover, empty pockets, no money, and a life full of regrets. But when you put Jesus first, when you walk in the Spirit, I'm telling you, you're going to find joy unspeakable and the fullness of glory. You're going to find the true meaning as to why you are on this earth. You will find your purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah, that ought to be your request. Amen, if God was here and asking you, what can I do for you? Don't let it be God, the latest car, a bigger house. Don't let it be, and I believe that God is a blesser. But let the cry of your heart, let the singular purpose of your existence be number one. Is that I may know you and I may walk in the spirit. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching right now. Glory to God. It's about asking. It's about asking the right questions and having the right answers. Praise God. When you put, you know, when you look at church and we look at your spiritual life as just some kind of accessory. And of course, we still live in a physical world. We are still subject to the limitations of this material world. You still got to get to sleep at night. You still got to look after yourself and, and drink enough water and, and do all of that. We still got to go to work, absolutely. But we've got to put first things first. We've got to prioritize. Remember that God is a God of priority. He doesn't expect everything to be perfect. But he does expect to put some things first. And if you put Jesus first, if he becomes number one in your life... If the question is not, Lord, what can I get? What can I have? But instead, Lord, what do you want from me? How can I serve you? How can I live my life? I'm telling you, you'll find the peace that's eluded you for so long. You'll find the joy that, that, that's only fleeting in the things of the world. That when you've got God, when you prioritize God, it doesn't matter what you go through. Oh, I wish I could talk to somebody. Praise God. Amen. I, I've got to hurry to my message. The, 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 the Bible tells us that, that, that Elisha asked for a double portion. Amen. And if you, if you look at Elijah and Elisha, if you look at the miracles that Elijah performed and the situations that he found himself in, he, he did half the, the, the miracles of Elisha, but Elijah's miracles were marked, were characterized by what we call judgment. He brought judgment to the world. He, he brought judgment to Israel. He shut up the heavens. He said there would be a drought. There would be no rain. He calls down fire from heaven to judge uh, the, 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 the prophets of Baal. He brought fire down on the soldiers twice. His, his ministry was marked by judgment and, and the, the word of God. Demanding the call of God. But Elisha's ministry was marked not with judgment only, but predominantly with mercy and grace. You look at the miracles of Elisha. He gives food to the hungry. He was, he was far more forgiving than Elijah was. He parched the waters. Yes, he heals uh, the, the waters that were contaminated. He heals the food that was off. He heals Naaman. And even after his death, he brings a life back. He resurrects a, a dead body from even his own bones. Amen. There's a, this is the difference between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a prophet that brought judgment. Elisha was a prophet that, that brought the mercy and the redemption and the grace of God. And this, brothers and sisters, is a type of what the Old Testament and what the New Testament brings. The Old Testament gave us the law. It gave to us the truth of God's word. It gave to us the righteousness of God, including the burden of the ordinances of the Old Testament. Amen. But the New Testament, brothers and sisters, gives us grace and mercy 
and together they have met in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the double portion of God. Amen. Because Jesus did not come to condemn the law. He didn't say, I didn't come to do away with the law. The law is law. It can't be removed. But he said, I came to fulfill the law. Amen. So in his humanity, he fulfilled the law of God by taking upon himself the sins of the world. That's your sins and my sins. He took it upon himself, nailed to a cross, and died upon that cross to pay for the penalty of that law for the sins of the world. Thank God for what Jesus Christ did for us. Thank God for what he paid in the price. But can I tell you, he's a double portion son. He's the son of the firstborn. He's the firstborn that not only did he do away with the sins of humanity, but now he comes to give a double portion of mercy and grace and forgiveness to whosoever will desires to come upon him. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that God is a double portion blesser, but the double portion is manifested, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to get up on your feet. You ought to thank God, amen, every day that our sins have been dealt with by God Almighty, that we don't have to be held hostage by the sins of the past, but God took our sins. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Can I tell you what that means for you and I? It means that you and I can have our sins washed away. That when we repent of our sins and we are baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38, our sins are washed away forever. That might not excite a whole bunch of you, but let me tell you, if I look back over my life and think of where God has brought me from, oh, thanks be to God, he's removed. I don't be, have to be bound by shame or guilt, but now God has set me free. Oh, hallelujah, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. But here comes a double portion. Not only does God wash away our sins in baptism, but the Bible says when we are baptized, he fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gives to us his Holy Spirit that's dwelling on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. Thanks be to God who always. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I don't know, maybe I need to stay this uh, on this a little bit longer. When you come to realize that God gives to you a double portion, he doesn't just wipe away your past. He doesn't just remove the stain of sin, but he gives to us the essence of God himself where he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Oh, is there anybody here that has the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside? Anybody here has the Spirit of Almighty God? 
Oh, that's, that's about 10% of you. What you need, you need a double portion of the Holy Ghost. You need a, the Spirit of God flowing out of your life. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. I, I, I don't know whether the gravity of that, what I just said, really has sunk in. That God has gifted himself. He, the Bible says this is what the angels looked to but could not attain. They, the angels themselves in the presence of God, they themselves do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. But the Bible says, Jesus said these words. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And it says, out of his belly will flow the rivers. Uh, not, not the Ganges River. Uh, not, not Georgia's River. Uh, not not, not the, the dirty kind of rivers around. Not the, the great Mississippi. Uh, not the great Amazon in the Delta. Amen. Not, not even the River Nile. He said, but out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water hallelujah i don't know if you recognize but when you got the holy ghost you got the power of god dwelling on the inside of you and so you got to recognize you got to release the holy ghost oh hallelujah Hallelujah, I'm glad. I wish I had some new converts here who just had the Holy Ghost for the very first time. I wish I had some new folks that just received the baptism that you were so excited. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't come here on my own. I've got, I feel like the Holy Ghost is moving me here this morning to speak to somebody. You, you remember the first time you got the Holy Ghost? I'll never forget the first time I got the Holy Spirit. 19 years old, coming out of drugs, smoking pot every day. Somebody brought me to church on my very first Sunday night at church. My brother brought me to the house of God. Brother Mo still didn't have the Holy Ghost. He'd been coming for three months, and he's scratching his head wondering, how come I still don't have the Holy Spirit? Here I am, this 19-year-old Filipino skinny kid sitting in the front row. The preacher said, come forward. I took two steps. I knelt my knees. I lifted up my hands. And after a few moments, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I was speaking in tongues. I was speaking in a language I'd never learned before. And I'm telling you, it was the greatest feeling. I said, God, where have you been all of my life? This was better than all the drugs I took. This was better than all the alcohol I drank. This was better than all the parties I went to. This is God. This is the double portion. And sometimes I got to remind myself, Brother Wiki, when I'm in my prayer room, I feel like, God, where are you? I got to knock myself on the side of the head and say, what are you talking about? God is inside of you. He's given you the Holy Ghost. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but I understand. I understand life. You know, you had the Holy Ghost one year, 
five years, 20 years, it kind of just doesn't do it for me anymore. I had the Holy Ghost 20 years, you know, Brother Stokin uses this illustration, it's like your wedding ring. You know, when I first got married, I put this wedding ring on and we, I was fiddling around with it all the time, not used to having this ring on my finger. But after 20 years of marriage, I don't even know it's there. I dig dirt with it. I wash dishes with it. Not very often, I know. It's <laughs> my wife's here, so I can't lie. <laughs> but you don't even notice it's there. And sometimes that's what can happen to us when you have the Holy Ghost for some time. You don't even realize that he's there. And in fact, sometimes we walk around like we were atheists. Like we don't believe that God exists. Oh, woe is me. I got this problem. She's been giving me a hard time at work. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I've been paying my tithes. We walk around like God doesn't even exist. Can I remind you here today that he gave to you. You are a double portion kid. That means you are a child of your father. God has no grandchildren. He ain't got no great-grandchildren. You are a first generation. You are firstborn. That means that you are entitled to a double portion of the inheritance. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. You are entitled to every blessing. You can walk in the understanding that I am a child of the king. No, I'm not perfect. No, I don't have everything all together. But I am a child of the king. And what is his is mine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Double portion. This, here it is. Not, not, only, not only does he wash away your sins, but he gives you the Holy Ghost. He gives you his spirit. He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Hallelujah. He gives, he's dwelling with you every day. Isn't that amazing? Double portion. Hallelujah. And some people say, well, uh, do I have to have the Holy Ghost? Do I have, do I, what do you mean do I have to have the Holy Ghost? You get to have the Holy Spirit. That even the angels of God looked into and couldn't receive. Hallelujah. You get a you are a double portion kid. I said, come on, Pastor, give, give me that message about give me a double portion of money. Give me, give me that message about double portion of my, my employment. <laughs> give me a double portion of my, my wages, a double portion of my house. Uh, God, you know, uh, you know I, I know he's a blesser. He is a double portion blesser. But can I tell you, if he never blesses you again, what he's given to you is already a double portion. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. Can I tell you, not only does he take you out of the world, not only does he take you out of your misery, but he puts you on a path. He gives you purpose. He gives you a meaning. Every single one of you here today has got a purpose in God. He didn't just call you out to fill a pew. He called you out to fulfill his purpose in your life. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you want the purpose of God, call out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, give your neighbor a high five and tell him I'm a double portion kid. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. He gives you purpose. Hallelujah. He didn't just take me out of the nightclub so I can have my own version of a nightclub here, <laughs> dancing by myself. He didn't stop me from doing the running man so that I could come and do my own apostolic jump man. He called me out for a purpose. That's the double portion. He takes you out and he puts you in to do something for his kingdom. Hallelujah. The reason why we find ourselves in depression, the reason why we find ourselves wandering in the wilderness sometimes, wondering what is this life all about. Yeah, I know God is there somewhere, but I'm going to work, going home, eating, sleep, go to work, do the same old, same old round and round routine. I feel like I'm one of those those mice on that, uh, uh, on that conveyor belt, you know, just going round and round. Can I tell you, it's because you have not found your purpose by which God put you on terra firma. He put you on this earth for a reason. He put you on this earth to live out his purpose in you. Amen. You might be called to be a doctor. You might be called to be a lawyer, to be called to be doing something great and wonderful. That's wonderful. But let me tell you, that is not the end of your purpose. You are called to serve God and reach this lost and dying world and when we have reached 7 billion people on this earth I'm telling you Jesus is going to take us up out of here the Bible says we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed at a moment at the trump of God shall sound and the voice of the archangel is going to shout and what you see me when I open my eyes I'm going to take a step it will no longer longer be terra firma. It'll be on streets of gold. It'll be in the throne room of God. Hallelujah. Can I remind somebody right now? I've come to help you. Amen. We're not going to be here forever. We're not going to be around this place forever. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. You mark my words today. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. double portion. The double portion means not only does God get to bless us, but there's another portion to that. It means we get to bless somebody else. The blessings of God don't flow to you so that you could be a, a dam or a swamp that doesn't flow anywhere. The double portion means, God, I thank you for my blessing, but I want to bless somebody else. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you, you want to have a blessed year this year? Don't be stingy. Don't be greedy. You give to God what is God's. You give your tithes, your offerings. You bless somebody else. You help the poor. The Bible says they that help the poor will never lack. You'll never be wanting. But God will always meet your need. Can I tell you he gave you a portion. But it's going to be a double when you give it out. When you pour it out into somebody else. He never blesses this. Remember that. He never blesses a hand like this. But he always blesses a hand like this. Always. He will be no man's debtor. Hallelujah. I got, I got to hurry to my text. 
He said, you asked me a hard thing, Elisha. Elijah. He said, but if you see me, when I'm taken from you, you're going to have me. And here's the key to the double portion anointing. He said, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Elisha had to keep his eyes on Elijah. He had to keep his eye on the man of God. And he said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you're going to have your request. But, but if somehow you don't see me, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not getting it. If, if that happened today, most of us would miss out because we'd be too busy on our phones to be looking. Now, can you imagine? Elisha was about to get the greatest uh, miracle in his life to get the double portion. And he said, you got to keep your eyes on me. And so wherever Elijah went, he was just watching. I, I'm, not leave, I'm not taking you out of my sight. He wasn't going, hang on, let, let me just check my Facebook a little bit. I'll be right with you, Elijah. Uh, let, let, let me just, uh, oh, yeah, that's a nice picture. If I, thank God they didn't have devices back then. <laughs> Otherwise, Elisha would have missed out. But every, every move Elijah made, if Elijah was getting up to go to the bathroom, Elijah was, where are you going? I'm coming with you. Where are you going? Elijah, get up to go brush your teeth. What are you doing? What, what's, what are you? I'm not taking you out of my sight. Elijah's like, do you mind? I'm just going to the bathroom. Every single move he made, he wasn't going to let him out of his sight. He was going to be obsessive. He was going to be focused. He was going to be fixed in his eyesight. I'm not leaving you wherever you're going. I'm going. I'm going to Jericho. I'm coming with you. I'm going to Bethlehem. I'm coming with you. Wherever you go, my eyes are fixed. And can I tell you the key to your blessing is that you've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You've got to... Hallelujah. That means every day you go to work. Every time you wake up in the morning, you're saying, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, I'm seeing you right here inside of me. You're everywhere. That means when you go to school, even though you're doing your homework, you sense the presence and say, Jesus, I'm serving you. I'm doing my schoolwork for your glory. I'm praising you when I'm going to work. Oh, don't you equate your work as not part of what you're services to God. You don't have to come to church to just to worship God. You can go to work. You can go home and worship God. Hallelujah. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm just sweeping streets. Or oh, you can sweep the streets. You can sweep the warehouse and say, this is unto you, Jesus. And you can do the best job that you can do. Or oh, you go to school. Oh, I'm just doing a math sum. Lord, this math sum is for you. Thank you, God, that you gave me a mind that can understand math. So don't take your eyes off Jesus every day. Where is your life going? Can I ask you today, what direction is your life at? Where are you going in your walk with God? Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Jesus, you're the one I'm following. I'm obeying your word. Hallelujah. That means wake up in the morning. 
talk to Jesus. You've got to be disciplined in your walk with God. You've got to read your Bible. I'm telling you. So, well, Jesus, I don't have time to pray. You, you dedicate, I promise, 2020, this year, 2-0, two, two two mirror numbers of 20 and 20, a double portion. If this year you make up in your mind, I'm going to pray an hour every day. I'm going to talk to you, Jesus. Even those moments, even those mornings where you're tired and you're weary and you get up and say, I, I'm going to get a hold of you. Even if when you drift in your mind, when you're praying and, and you wonder whether he's really there yet, this is your time, God, from 6 to 7, from 5 to 6. I'm dedicating this to you. I'm telling you something will happen. And my mind is fixed, my direction. Oh, thank God for a good job. Thank God for studies. Thank God for all of these things that God has given us. But my eyes are fixed. My purpose is determined. My course is set. I know where I'm going and it's to you, Jesus. I'm going to have you in my life. What does it mean? What does it mean to you to keep your eyes on Jesus? You just once a week have to look at the screen. I'm keeping my eye on Jesus. Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Disciples believe in nothing less than giving their all. And I, I gotta hurry through today. He sees the mantle fall from the sky. The mantle represent is a cloak. That he put around Elisha when he called him. This was the cloak or the mantle of Elijah that fell from him when he got taken into heaven. And it represented his authority. It represented the anointing. And as he, the heir to Elijah, he picks up the mantle. And he takes the mantle of Elijah. He goes to the river Jordan. And, and he doesn't roll it up this time. He just simply takes the mantle and he strikes the waters of Jordan. And again, for the fourth time, we see in the Bible, the waters apart. And he says these words, where is the God of Elijah? In other words, where is the promise? Where is the same anointing and authority that was given to him? And I've I'm going to close this message right now with this, this, this thought. Is that the mantle from Jesus Christ has fallen upon the church. He said, Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And what we need are some folks like Elisha who are willing to keep their eyes on Jesus and will take up this mantle of anointing that Jesus has gifted to the church and begin to walk in your destiny, to walk into your, into your calling, to walk into the ministry that God has called you to and say, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of the Apostle Paul? Where is the God of the Apostle Peter? Can I tell you the same anointing that they had is available to you and I. The same power and the same promises that was given to the disciples of Jesus is already due to us. Is already given to us. You just got to pick up that mantle and walk over into your calling and into your destiny and say, I'm believing God. I don't want just these stories to remain as some kind of fable in a book 
uh, some fairy tale uh, or it's got to become real. This Bible has got to become real uh, to somebody where they are willing to take uh, the promise of God and say, where is? Hallelujah. Because 5 million people in this city need it. Because 20, 24, 25 million people in this nation, because 7 billion people in this world, majority of whom are not saved, need the church to stand up and become Elisha's. I'm believing for a double portion of revival, such we have never seen in this nation before. It's not going to come by some personality in the pulpit. It's not going to come by some fancy preaching or fancy music. It comes by the church, by every single one of us getting together and say, God, we want to see revival. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I I'm so glad. I'm so glad he came to my house. Otherwise, I'd still be lost today. Aren't you glad somebody invited you? Aren't you glad somebody shared to you about Jesus? Well, there's another you out there. Your neighbor that you see every day. What are we afraid of? We need some boldness like Elisha. Give me the spirit of Jesus. Give me the spirit of Peter. I, I don't need more money. I don't need more stuff. Give me the spirit of the disciples. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Glory to God. The mantle is, is on the floor. It's ready for somebody to take it up. Say, God, I, I, I'm going to, I'm not just going to read and listen to fancy sermons. I need this Bible. I need this word to get in here. And that I would walk, take this word. And put it to the test. That's what he did. He took the mantle and he put it to, does this thing really work? Does this, is this really for real? Or are we just having church? Is this just a social club? He said, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the promise of God? Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift your voices right now? Hallelujah. I've got to stop, but yeah, God is, God is just about to do a work in somebody's life. He wants to transform somebody's life right now. He wants to renew your heart. He wants to reveal your calling in this world. He's called you for his purpose, for his kingdom. Hallelujah. Would you lift your voices right now in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, we come to you, Lord God. Thanking you, Lord, for the double portion that you are pouring out. That you have poured out upon the church, upon your people. Today, Lord God, we open our hearts in faith. And we receive as we, we look to you. As we, we put our, our, our whole life's direction towards you. We're asking you right now, God, that you would touch our hearts. That you would fill us with boldness with a hunger and a desire for you. Lord God, to see the double portion of anointing and, and promise that you have promised to the church. Lord God, we want to receive it today. We want to take it up this morning. We want to take up the gift that you have poured out upon us. In Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. I want to open up this front area here, this altar, to invite you to come out of your seats. If you need to, to repent and you would like to receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit, you can receive it right now as ministers and leaders are making their way. They can pray with you. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been struggling in your walk with God. God is, has got no condemnation for you, but he's got a love and acceptance. There is an open invitation for you to come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all of you that are weary and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. This morning, today, this afternoon, we can baptize you so that your sins can be washed away and you can receive a double portion with a gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You need help in your life. You need God to work in you. I want to invite you to come and step into this altar. Find a place with God. Ministers and leaders, leaders' wives, connect group leaders. Connect group leaders' wives, why don't you come and pray for those that are here right now. Reach out to the Lord. He's right here. You can talk to him. You can pour out your heart. And he'll accept you. He'll love you.